Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome to another podcast. That voice you hear at the beginning is none other than Paul King, who has been with me involved in the podcast for so many years. We're so grateful to have Paul's contribution. And we have Nikki, who works with our guests. And so thank you to the staff and the team that we have assembled here at DL2 Productions, which is the producer of the podcast. We're so grateful for their contribution. And Paul, thank you so much for that intro. You do a great job. It's Monday, October 4th, and coming up on the annual conference. A lot to talk about as we prepare for that. I'm going to get into a couple of things we touched on last week in just a minute, but we say each week that this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to you listeners for taking the time to listen to us. Not only that, but giving us feedback, sending us texts during this. A lot of people say, look at how do we text you? Text my cell phone or go on LinkedIn. That's one of the two things we monitor when I'm looking at things. You can text me at 512-632-2900. And I always try to get to all your questions. I certainly do appreciate the feedback as it's coming in and really grateful. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Last week, we touched on a headline that got a lot of feedback, a lot of positive feedback. It's the lawsuit that's taking place. It was in the National Mortgage News. It had to do with Tammy Richards, who I know have met numerous times, have a great deal of respect for her, suing the organization she used to be with, Loan Depot, who another organization which we've all admired their success and where they're at. And there were some issues that were brought up there, something about how the company was a fraternity, more of a frat house kind of environment. Those are my words. I'm not sure I'm saying it accurately, but there was some comment there. But also a lot of comment about the pressure that she felt to change guidelines for the sake of production. And it has come up a lot since we focused in on that. And a lot of people appreciate the fact we brought it up, especially when I focused in on the culture. Well, we had another incident over the weekend. We had a very good coach, a coach that I admire. <laughs> so sure, I've always appreciated him when he was at Ohio State, but Urban Myers, for those of you who are aware of it, and in sports, that Urban Myers found himself in a compromising situation. He was in a bar and out for dinner, and then he uh, was invited into a, the bar setting to just celebrate with some people, and a young female was dancing and backed up and looked like she had an inappropriate contact. Here's the reason I'm bringing it. We've got the annual NBA conference coming up, and I think one of the things is that we need all of us be aware of situations we can find ourselves in. Certainly, that situation. Urban Meyer did not bring that on. Now, I'm not going to get in and talk about what's in the heart of Urban Meyer, but he has published how absolutely faithful he is to his family, how his family first. And he watched the interview afterwards. He said, I should have just left. I, I, I went into the bar and I found myself in the situation and I should have been there. The best way to avoid it is just not be there. And so one of the questions I'd love to get the feedback from our listeners on is how do you create a culture where which we're doing things politically correct, but that it doesn't just shut down life? And that, but as we get into the conference season, preparing ourselves and thinking ahead. When I saw this, this came up today with one of my clients, brought it up. And what do you recommend? How we use this as an opportunity to teach from? And that's exactly what it is. It's a moment where you look at this, and I think the thing is, is anticipate, folks, where you find yourselves, the situation, what is the potential, and what would you do if someone's there recording you 
and your action, and you're a leader in your company. What would you do? So, Alice, want to get a great comment. I always respect you so much as a true consummate professional in the industry. You've managed through so many different situations over your life. Commentary real quick, your thoughts? Well, I think not obviously knowing all the facts, right, yep. and not wanting to zero in just on that specific incident, just kind of in general when we get into public settings. First of all, alcohol is usually a factor in many of these. So, yep. you know, our advice over my years was just don't drink when you're around clients or you're in a potential mm-hmm. scenario where you might not have the same level of common sense but if you didn't drink. So um, I just throw that one out there since we're talking about the conference. Yeah. But I think how you react is also going to be measured. And uh, that's, as you're saying, what is so important. Someone makes a mistake, is in a situation today, just assume everything's being recorded. You can't assume yeah. what if. Just assume somebody's out there with a cell phone who's going to capture something and then just know how you're going to react and just don't get yourself in those situations in the first place has always been my motto Good. things start Good getting motto. out of hand leave yeah if you're uncomfortable leave you see a potential for a situation leave well i might miss a connection well you miss a connection or have this kind of publicity come out jack you've managed a lot of people over your years thoughts on this and quick guidance as we get ready to head into the conference well david i saw the video and you have to know that when you are in a leadership position you Mm -hmm. are setting the tone for the culture and clearly urban as i looked at the video could have easily gotten up and walked away and got himself out of the situation i think it was poor judgment on his part to not take a definitive move to extricate himself from what was going on. And you got to keep in mind, if you're the leader, the team looks at you to set the guidelines for the culture of the organization. And this was a fail, David. Yep, it was a fail. He owned it. He's apologized to the team. And again, the only reason I'm bringing this up, we're not bagging on, on Urban Meyer. What I'm bringing it up on is, hey, we're getting ready for conferences. We're getting back to gaps. Jack, you said so well. All HR issues fell by tenfold when we started working from home. That was a hilarious comment you made on the podcast we were talking. It's so true. But I think it's awareness. Folks will come to the conference. Be aware of things. What is your behavior saying? What is it communicating? Let's not get so paranoid that we can't be ourselves. But in being ourselves, let's use some wisdom. That's one of the reasons we bring it up. So anyway, we'll move on. So excited to have joining us on the Hot Topic segment, Karen Jenkins, Senior Product Manager at Finastra, who has now become the number one fintech company in the world. Folks, when we have someone who has number one, we got some wonderful insights into what they're thinking. And so Karen Jenkins, Senior Product Manager, will be here with us. With the Nastra, we're proud to have the number one fintech company in the world as our sponsor. So grateful. We're talking about digital transformation and what it means to Finastra and what it can mean to you. Sure, gives me some good perspective. When you're talking to one of the industry leaders, they spend time thinking about it a lot of time. So we'll be getting into that. So stay tuned for the Hot Topic segment. Also want to say a special thank you to this industry syndicate. They're doing a great job of creating and promoting and sponsoring, producing great podcasts out there. Check out industrysyndicate.com. We're featured on that as one of the channels whereby we publish. Encourage you to check it out. Again, Josh Pitts and I are putting together another one. We're getting ready to start soon. Really excited about that. So a lot of podcasts out there. And I think more and more, make yourself aware of it. Also setting up for one of our clients, an internal podcast for their own company. This is a growing segment of podcasting. Internal subscription for your group only 
podcast, helping do that for one of our clients. So that's very exciting. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra. We have our special guest, again, their Mortgage Bot Solution taps into the robust features such as user-defined groups for processors, underwriters, and closers that rely on automated email notifications for various stages of the loan process. We encourage you to check out the Nastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Been around a long time, but they've done a lot of enhancements, and we're going to be hearing more of what Karen and her team at Finastra has got planned for the future. Also, I want to say a thank you to Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these are co-ops that do a great job of bringing together intimate settings, the lenders and the vendors helping you as a lender become more familiar with what others are experiencing and get kind of in a more intimate environment. Also, CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, do a great job as well as Incelerate. Love what Josh Friend and his group does there. And uh, we drive a lot of business over to Josh, and I encourage you to check out Incelerate, I-N-S-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-E.com. Check out what Josh has built over there, especially when you're not looking at innovative ways in which you can interact with customers. Got a lot of wisdom in that guy. Knowledge Coop does a great job with their learning management system, as well as Mobility, MMI, and Modex. These are two great business intelligence tools helping you find the right LOs and find out which realtors are doing the business. Both of them have insights into the real estate world. Then our newest sponsor, SnapDoc. Love these guys. Love what they're doing, their vision. I'm telling you, pay attention to what SnapDoc has got planned and doing. They've got some very innovative things happening there. Also, a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack now. And for those of you listening live, stay right here. We're going to move right into the Hot Topic segment. For those of you listening on a downloaded basis, you can just move right on to the Hot Topic segment. So. Stay tuned for the Hot Topic segment. Welcome, everybody. Today's Hot Topic of the Lickin' and Lending program, we've got joining us Karen Jenkins, Senior Product Manager at Finastra, the largest fintech company in the world. Now, you're looking at what to do with fintech. You're wondering, what should I do? What does digital transformation mean? Well, I'm excited to get Karen to share her thoughts. And when you're looking at a leader, when I first started working with them, they're the third largest fintech. They're now number one. And they didn't get there because they've been missing the signal. So we're excited. Karen, so good to have you joining me on the microphone today, along with the rest of our guests. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you, well, David. Yeah, it's really good to have you here, Karen. And we want to thank you for being a sponsor on the podcast. But I'm really interested in letting our audience get to know you a little bit, seeing as this is your first time on the podcast. Tell us a little about your career journey and how you got to Finastra and and such an important role and responsibility. Sure, David. I'm glad to be here today. And uh, as David said, I work for Finastra. I'm a senior product manager. And my career actually started back in IT. I had a focus. I worked for a large retail company in northern Ohio, was focused on automating distribution of logistics systems and their purchasing. So I had some background there in IT and technology. And then I came to Harlan Financial Solutions and joined their team and started working with some of the large financial institutions. And we had some customized solutions. So I would go on site and work with them on streamlining processes and really became uh, a specialist mm. in the branch automation solutions for a platform and tellers application. And Good. then after that, I moved into our digital world. So we started building out a digital branch automation solution and now a digital origination. Then you are well qualified to talk about the topic we're focusing on today, which is digital transformation. And I'm really interested, what is the definition 
of digital transformation and what does it look like and mean from your perspective, especially with your role there at Finastra as senior product manager? Yeah, that is a, an interesting one because I, I think it doesn't matter if you work in the medical field or if you're in retail or even working in mm-hmm. a restaurant. Digital transformation is super important. Door dashing that needs picked up and your Uber rides and everything is online. Everything is on a phone and, and easily accessed. So trying to take that to the financial services world really is just looking towards simplifying processes, really to leverage the digital technology to simplify the process. It involves thinking outside of the box, right, to solve the common problems that you have and creating some positive impact on your revenue growth while you're achieving significant cost savings by the changes that you're making to your processes. So we did a survey a while back regarding digital transformation and tried to find out from our clients what is most important in terms of the digital transformation. The key areas that it focused on really resonated in several articles that I have read online, one of them being your account relationship with the person. So digital, meaning how can I connect with my customers and provide what they need, but yet let them know that I know who they are, I know my relationship with them, being able to provide like product offers that are meaningful to them, those types of relationships and deepening that. Your online portal, of course, is a given. People are everywhere wanting to open an account or even check their balance at their football game or if they're Mm -hmm. getting ready to board an airplane. Just any type of device that they want to use as well as any time, so access any time. They don't want to go into a branch to perform simple services or even to apply for that mortgage. I mean, I refinanced my home here a year and a half ago and everything was online. It was perfect. So that's what people are looking for in terms of digital transformation, being able to have that real-time access and getting immediate decisioning as well. So immediate satisfaction kind of brings out an emotion in people that they can say, oh, yeah, I was approved for that new loan. And then having the value-add services for that financial institution to kind of tap into certain markets, having a one-stop shopping and having the right value-add services to build that customer base and, Which, and have them be loyal to your products. And it's really so important. It's really the connection and the experience we create with the customer, which really gets into part of something that we all have heard a lot about. And it's called UX or user experience for the tech world. But from your perspective, when you look at what's been going on in development, and what's happening there, what is your perspective on how it is changing from what has been considered a successful user experience to where it's going in your anticipation? Well, I think that it's a great question and it does have varying answers, but I, I believe our benchmarks have been set for us by some of the large tech companies, Amazon, Google, Apple, TikTok, mm-hmm. and YouTube. So they're all setting the tone for that user experience. And I love that user experience we're going to have a great feeling about using that application. So that trickles into financial services as well. A good user experience can generate that positive emotion, and it keeps your users loyal to your product and your brand. So if I know I've had a great experience, for instance, applying for a loan with this financial institution, then that's probably going to be my first thought when I want to refinance my house. Mm-hmm. Just the, the whole piece of it really begins at the onboarding process too. So financial institutions that are looking for new customers, they're going to need something out there that gives them that new onboarding experience that focuses on getting through that application, 
making it really simple for them to use. And that way it minimizes that abandonment. So they have more opportunity yeah. then later to cross sell, right? And increasing the Sarah wallet because you have been able to cross sell. You provided something that's intuitive and you also personalize that. Great point. The personalization of it is a key factor. Jack, let's get over to you because when you and I were talking, working together, when you were at Texas Capital Bank and you were launching the correspondent division, we really focused in on user experience. Any questions you have for Karen on UX? Well, David, as I think about what Karen said, she recently refied her home loan online. I did the same thing, David, in 2001. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the incredible part of this is, is that the industry had the ability for an online origination experience that was actually very positive 20 years ago. But I guess my question to Karen is, have we done a lot of studies about abandonment and what drives abandonment from a consumer standpoint? Because that was a very important point that you mentioned, because once a consumer abandons, the recidivism rate or the rate that they return to the site to complete the work is extremely low. That's a great question. And, and the answer is yes. And I think it's ongoing because one of the ways that we're trying to address that is gather a little bit of information up front that gives you kind of that lead generation in the event they abandon. And then really look at trends in the dropout and really better understand why they are dropping off at a particular area. So the data is important behind those drop-offs and the abandonment and the ability to capture that person's information, their email address, even potentially their phone number up front in the application process gives you a better opportunity to reach back out and understand why and learn more about that. The abandonment, again, sometimes you get into those friction points, of course. You have to balance that with fraud. And I think that's another thing that's always top of mind when people are online is how do we make sure that they can get through the application process without abandoning, but not put at risk the information that you really need to gather to identify mm -hmm. that person. Boy, you're getting into a big topic there. The risk factor is going in. Alan was able to join back in. So <laughs> first, thanks for being on the program. I worked in online banking quite a bit as well. And so when you're talking about some of the automation, I think you mentioned earlier you started off on the branch side of the business, right? I did. Yeah. Super exciting, by the way, just because that is something that probably needs a lot of work and COVID has changed how all that occurs and so much of more, even mortgage lending occurs in the branch. But let me ask you, digital transformation is so important. And as the senior product manager, what does it look like in the next two to five years? How does all that come together based on what we've learned the last year and how mobile everybody's going? and how critical that branch relationship truly is. Yeah, and that's a great question too. The journey is still in progress and I, and I don't know that it would ever end exactly because we're constantly looking at ways to improve our processes no matter what they are. So right now we have still, I think there are a lot of financial institutions that have a lot of manual process. So one of the things we're trying to do to improve there is take an agile approach. So we applied some design thinking approaches within our company to really get to the heart of the problems that people are having in order to try to help with that transformation. So using an agile process, I think, is a big reason why you want to move in that direction so that you can look at something, provide some validation on that, and then take it to the next level of taking an idea 
putting in some experimentation to it and then validating it with those customers to make sure that that's moving forward in the right direction. So those journeys are constant. You have your infrastructure as well. I mean, cloud-based applications are, to me, the future because you have open API structures that need to be in place, some open development opportunities out there in the cloud solutions, the fusionfabric.cloud for Finastra, to be able to get third-party vendors engaged to offer their products and services and be able to tap into those quickly instead of having to build everything as a, a really tight integration. But So agile processes, cloud technology, open API structures, those are really the future. If you don't mind, I'd, I'd like yeah, to just throw one more thing at you. I think we all kind of forget we have to enable our own employees to enable our members, right? And so that's everything you just mentioned there. All those different types of technology enablement are important to enable our own staff. Oh, absolutely. And I was thinking that as well, that they do get left out sometimes. The user experience, when we think that or they even say that word, a lot of times we're not thinking about associates. We're thinking about digital people. But your associates are those people online, right? So they need a good experience as well. And they need one that mirrors that consumer that's online. So I think it's, it's equally as important because you're going to have better retention if your systems are not antiquated. You get some of the younger generation here who's coming out of college and they don't want to sit behind a green screen or typing in code. They want something that's very simple to use. Companies also want to reduce our training. We don't want to have to send them through hours and hours of training. We want to make it just as easy for them to get their job done as the applicant that's online. Great point. Let's get over to Jack, get you involved in the discussion here, Jack. I'm particularly interested in what Finastra's fusion can do to improve efficiencies and help profitability of independent mortgage bankers. And Karen, I've been in the software side of life for a number of years earlier in my career. I always told software, it's kind of like Goldilocks in the three bears, right? <laughs> I mean, the porch is either too hot or it's too cold. And, and let's just put this in terms of mortgage origination. We're either moving so fast in the mortgage origination business, like last year, Karen, and it's hard to convince people to pull off of their current solution and migrate to a new solution when we're setting record volume. And then the market pivots, Karen. And volume gets cut in half, and everybody's saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to have the money to spend on the technology solution. And to me, Karen, that's just the big miss. That's when you need to be moving to a more efficient system to lower your cost to originate. How does Finastra really address that in their mortgage technology platform? Yeah, so the mortgage technology platform is evolving, and as you mentioned, we've also seen those trends. And, I mean, we have to focus on that user experience in order to provide a solution that does make it easier in terms of the use so that it's more attractive. But then you also have the back-end processes that have to be simplified. So being able to implement our solutions into a customer at a good cost and also being able to demonstrate the savings that that financial institution is going to achieve based on the implementation. So being able to take the real life data that sits behind these experiences and being able to tighten that up in order to offer those solutions that are going to improve their business. Also with the tighter integrations to other products. So there's a lot of people shopping around these days for 
third-party interface vendors that they might want to use. Mm -hmm. And so based on that, I think it's important that the solutions also can leverage speed in terms of being able to use that third-party vendor's application, the open APIs that are found in our FusionFabric.cloud to be able to say, as a third-party vendor, need to sign up with our FusionFabric.cloud, start using those open APIs, and then we, from the mortgage side or from the consumer lending or even consumer deposits, we can then actually offer additional third-party vendor interfaces as a result of that being in our FusionFabric.cloud. Yeah, great. So good points there. Alice, let's get over to you. Yeah. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much. I, I love this discussion. You clearly know what you're doing. And I find that this is a real highly specialized space, right? It, it's kind of where technology and marketing and customer experience and sales all overlap. And you sound like you've got that expertise in understanding all of those areas. And so as Dave was saying, and you kind of alluded to it before, you're handling a lot of borrower personal information. What are all the regulatory and compliance risks that you have to manage? Or tell us a little bit about that, how you protect us. Obviously, we have the different encryption methods and things that we use to try to protect the data. We are certainly top of mind with compliance. PCI, all the other regulatory things that go along with opening digital applications or applying for digital applications, ADA, your Reg E, your Reg D, all of that. We have a, a particular group within the institution that studies that. They're our legal team and they're looking at all the regs that are changing constantly in order to meet with all of the internal groups so that they are aware of these changes that are coming up and that they're responding to that in their products that they manage. So there's a lot of process, I suppose, behind that to ensure that the data that we do manage and that the financial institutions have trusted us with, that we're handling that the way that we have promised and that we're not going to expose them in any way to anything negative. It's a big challenge. One of the ones that probably sits there and haunts us all, if you're involved in technology, <laughs> haunts us how to protect the consumer data. Getting a lot of questions in about the user experience especially the trends. Here's one of the messages that just came in. Says, From your perspective at Finastra, how do you see moving forward the user experience changing? Is, is it going to be a big quantum leap or is it going to be down the continuum of what you were talking about earlier? Yeah, so I think that the initial leap from old school, and I'll say old school because any of you have opened an application online, might have been presented with something that looks sort of like your form that you would have filled out had you right. been face-to-face. -face. Right. So I think the first step really is moving towards more of a conversational tone. So I've noticed mm -hmm. that in a lot of applications, they're saying, tell us where do you live, Karen, or give us your primary address, or what is your phone main contact phone number? So the conversational tones, being able to engage that person, I think that's key because if I'm not engaged, I'm bored, right? We're not talking to the person and, okay. and really having a delightful experience. You're just going to drop off because it's bored. And especially some of the loans, like mortgage loans, has to, it takes a little bit to get the information you want from that person. And so being able to transform the user experience into something that has less friction points and more streamlined approaches gets you through that process. Even though you may not have reduced the number of questions that you're asking, you have made the experience different so that they don't realize it. Right. They said, oh, this is engaging. I'll continue on. Let's see what's next. That's so I think there's some psychology behind that. <laughs> 
for certain. Well, think, and, and I don't know that that will change. I think it will yeah. continue to evolve. Well, I think what, it, what you're really calling to is it's back to the basics and it's relationship. This is relationship-driven business. And what are we doing? But what about engagement? Are you finding new technologies such as avatars, anything else out there that helps with the engagement process? What are you doing? How much is going to be voice-based? Are you seeing video technology coming in? Yeah, well, I'll address a couple of them. Yes, on the chat bots, I think, are helpful. I think it's timing as well, though. Again, I think this takes a lot of study. When you're looking at where a person might be abandoning and what their friction points are, it really does go back to taking a person and walking through that journey with them in order to understand exactly how you can eliminate those friction points. To me, there's a lot of additional follow-up that has to be done. You may think you have a really great design and you put it out there and then you see, oh, well, this one area, I can see that they are dropping off a lot here. So it's a constant to go back to it, see how you can fine tune it. So videos, obviously, I think are great tools that help people understand. So if they get to a point where maybe they haven't, they don't quite understand the question even, they could click a button, there comes a video offering them help right then and there. Those are all things I think that have certainly improving the user experience because if left up to the person, you end up getting very wordy on the screen, right? Financial institutions right. sometimes in, in the application will, will explain a page and there's just all these words and you look at that and you're like, oh gosh, I got to read that whole thing to understand exactly what they want me to do. Where we really need to try to take a look at it in a simple way. How do I capture what I need to capture and making it simple is not simple. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. It does take some expertise in that area. And, and we do have a user experience team that's actually um, holding some classes currently within our organization to try to train other people on how to think that way, because I don't know that it always comes off exactly intuitively. And one of the things during the training class they mentioned was perspective. I have a way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And everyone does. And your perspective might be completely different than someone else. And so I think when you go through some of these processes and you try to figure out how you can improve your efficiency, you really need to start with that people okay. first thinking and don't make those assumptions. But look at the perspective because perspective, my perspective might lead me down the wrong path. So don't make any assumptions, but really engage and understand that journey first and such then good. apply some of the other perspectives you may have. That is such a good point because we get locked in on the way it has been done and investing the time examining your processes. That's one of the things we're big proponents of here in our consulting firm. Alan, as we wrap this up, any final thoughts or questions? No, honestly, I just love that some of our listeners brought up the part about user interface. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, David, I talked about the gamification and how we have to build towards what consumers are doing today. So to hear that Finastra has been thinking down those same lines, I think is great. I'll just ask you how maybe to help our listeners understand when you build technology uh, for your customers, almost all financial institutions, what would you say on the technology side is critical? Is it having the right analysis done, which you were just talking about beforehand, to understand user journeys, or is it more on the quality assurance testing? Is it both? I'd love to hear just some generic feedback from you. I feel like it's very critical that you understand the user journey because, again, I'm going to go back to just having a perception of what you think needs to be built versus really the reality of maybe how they use something. So I think that can really fluctuate 
and, and change things. So QA is QA. There's more and more happening there with automation. So once you get that good design in place and you really understand the need very clearly in order to build that next thing, then you're able to really just layer on the additional QA or maybe make adjustments to that later. But having that solid user experience and user journey defined up front, I think is super important. Again, though, it is a journey. You're going to get it out there. You're going to validate it. And then you might learn something from that that would allow you then to go back in an agile way to adjust what you've done. So I think it's just a journey and starting at the beginning, really understanding what that user needs. So good. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great point. Jack, we'll let you wrap it up. What's your thought, comment, questions? You know, I think this has been a really, really good podcast. And what really stands out to me is, is that the consumer experience, really we need to label a brand as consumer psychology. I mean, Karen hit it right on the head because when she was talking about her perspective versus other people's perspectives, and if you build something from your perspective, you could be missing. I mean, that's why supermarkets have marketing at the end caps of the aisle, and that's why you get to the checkout counter and you're just overwhelmed by all of the last-minute grab products before you <laughs> check out. And I think it's important that we understand that there's no simple straight line to consumer behavior. Abandonment happens early because they get frustrated using the technology. And Karen again said, it's amazing how keeping it simple could be so complex. And I don't know if you said it quite <laughs> like that, Karen, but that's what I took away from it. We really need to understand consumer abandonment. The quid pro quo, what do I have to give the consumer in the process to get the information I need to do the job. And I think it really boils down to that, Karen and David. Really good. That was a great statement, Jack. Well, there's just so much here. I'm looking over some of the comments that are coming in. Thank you all, everyone, for sending in your comments. Karen, a lot of questions coming in on user UX, the user experience and what goes into that. we got to have you back. It's really what's going to happen because we're going to dive into this in greater depth overall. You, you're doing a great job there at Finastra. A lot of your customers are on here. Evidently, you guys did a good job promoting us. We've Put it out a lot of people, but we got a lot of Finastra. Finastra is a great solution. We love their POS. We got some people coming in on that. So a lot of great commentary. What a great company you have. And, and we're just honored to have you as a sponsor. But today, having you, Karen, as our guest, really appreciate you taking time to be here. Lots of great information. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Dave. I've enjoyed my time. If you need to reach out to me, it's karen.jenkins at finastra.com. Very good. And I think you may be hearing from some folks. Folks, we've had Karen Jenkins, Senior Product Manager at Finastra, as our guest. Next week, we've got Christy Moss with Form Free joining us. Very excited. Always fun to have the folks from Form Free, especially Christy. There's so many quite places we go with Christy. She is a one-man promotional band when it comes to promoting and being a champion in social media, getting the word out. We've got a lot of questions for our good friend, Christy Moss, back with us next week. So be sure to tell others about the podcast next week and join us here. I want to say again, special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, The Lenders One, Accelerate, Mobility, MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, Modex, as well as MBA, Knowledge Coop, Mortgage Collaborative, and Snapbox, our newest sponsor. Thank you folks for being here and sharing this podcast with others and increasing our audience. Appreciate it so much. Have a great week. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.